welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 11th of December 2016, entitled, A Prayer for Help. And the Bible readings are taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, and Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 to 12. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand as we read from Acts chapter 2, and then we'll pray, and then we'll look over into the book of Isaiah and try to take a few simple thoughts from these passages this evening. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that Every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia... Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and in parts of Libya about Cyrene with, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. They were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood, before that great day and notable day of the Lord come, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And of course, if you read on down through these verses, you'll find that at this point, Peter preaches to them this name that they're to call upon, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then down in verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized... And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Father, we thank you again this evening for the privilege of having your word before us. 
of being able, Lord, to look there this evening knowing that, Lord, it's not us and it's not man, but it's you that we can look to, that we can depend upon, and it's you that we ask this evening that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, you know the needs of everyone that's here tonight and each one that may listen to this sermon later. You know exactly what is needed. So, Father, we commit this to you and pray that you would do the work that will bring you all the glory and honor for it. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Reading of the day of Pentecost, and I guess that I was thinking, of course, our last three Sunday mornings, we've gone through a series on the thought of the Lord will do wonders. And of course, we find that certainly what was happening here on the day of Pentecost, we looked at as that's, that was a wonder to say the least of what God was doing there. Of course, I made the comment several times of even 3,000 souls being saved every day, day after day after day, as marvelous as that is, that's not the way that God told us to go out and to win the world to Christ. He's told us to go out one-on-one, -on -one, to witness, to go to every human being, to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, we've talked about the differences of how that can come about, but by the same token, I didn't want you to get the idea that I'd thought in any way that what took place on the day of Pentecost was not a marvelous and a wonderful thing. We see that, of course, Jesus had told them to go and to wait and to tarry until the Spirit would come upon them. And, of course, you and I now, we know that that same Spirit that came down there on the day of Pentecost that was working these wonders amongst us is the same Spirit that comes in the moment that we trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He takes up residence in our life. He's there. He lives there. We've been talking about that some uh, in these last weeks of God dwelling within us, God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. So it's exciting things that we see God doing here. And we may say, well, you know, why don't we see that today? Why don't we see that in our church right now? Why don't we see so many people being saved like they were on the day of Pentecost? And I guess there are many, many, many answers for that. But may I say to you that I believe that it begins, first of all and foremost, because God needs a people that really want to see him work God needs a people that are so hungry. Every great revival of history, as I've read them over and over and over again, and read of how God moved in such great ways amongst his people, just as he did there on the day of Pentecost, it begins with people on their knees. It begins with people praying. It begins with people looking to God and truly crying out from their hearts for God to move. Revival doesn't begin in the lost community. Revival is about God's people being revived, about God's people. And what is happening with God's people allows that lost world out there to see Jesus Christ in such a way that, yes, people come to Christ. Yes, people are saved just as they were here. You turn back with me into the book of Isaiah chapter, chapter 64. We find that in that passage there, I believe there's some thoughts that we could look at because really what we find in Isaiah chapter 64 is what we've titled our thoughts this evening, a prayer for help. A prayer for help. 
Notice what we find here in Isaiah chapter 64. It's only 12 verses long. And he says, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence as when the melting fire burneth. The fire causes the waters to boil to make thy name known to thine adversaries that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down. The mountains flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, besides thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth. For we have sinned. In those is countenance, and we shall be saved. In those is continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us, and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay, and thou our potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. Be not wroth, very sore, O Lord, neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech thee. We are all thy people. Thy holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem, a, a desolation. Our holy and our beautiful house where our fathers praise thee is burned up with fire. And all our pleasant things are laid waste. Wilt thou refrain thyself for these things, O Lord? Wilt thou hold thy peace and afflict us very sore? You see, it's a prayer for help. If you look back into the chapter before in chapter 63, notice the very last verse before he begins with, this request here in chapter 64, he said in, in, in chapter 19 of the last, uh, in verse 19 of the last chapter, he says, We are thine. Thou never bearest rule over them. They are not called by thy name. You know, we have become like those that you never ruled over, Lord. <laughs> In other words, they, the, the, the outside world, the world out there, those that don't know you, those that don't belong to you, we've, we've become like them. We as God's people, we've become too much like them out there. We may ask ourselves as the prophet Isaiah looked at this, the prophet Isaiah saw the condition not of just a lost world, 
but he saw the condition of God's people that had been so influenced by that world around them that, Lord, we have become like them. Do we need help? Isaiah certainly thought that God's people needed help in his day, and I believe that if we look around today that we would have to say the same thing. And in verse 64, it is that prayer for help that he's crying out to the Lord, realizing his sinfulness, realizing the sinfulness of the people, realizing that all he could ask for was mercy from God. He can't go to God and say, why, God, don't you move upon us because we're doing such great things, because we're such good Christians, because we've done this and we've done that. No, in other words, when he goes to them, he says, we're all this unclean things, all of our righteousness, everything good about us is just like a pile of filthy rags. He says, we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You see, this cry doesn't come out because that he's so good that they deserve it. The first thing I want you to realize this evening, this prayer for help is a recognition of the need. Lord, oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens. That word rending is such a strong word there in the, in the Hebrew. It means literally to, to tear something. It's like if I were to, to take my, my, my jumper off right now and literally just, just rip it in half. Matter of fact, it's the same term. If you've ever seen a wild animal, when he goes and he takes that meat that he's going to take for his dinner and he literally bites into it and he just rips it, rends it asunder. That's the graphic illustration. This is the words that Isaiah is crying out for here in his prayer. You see, he realized that because of our iniquities, because of our sins, that this gulf between, in this case, the nation of Israel today, between the church and God, that that gulf was great, that they needed something special. They needed a they needed a revelation from God on the, on the grandest of, of, of scales that would smite down the unbelief of people all around them that would wipe out all the opposition. You see, what he's really crying for here is, God, our need is for you in our midst. We've got to have you in our midst, God. There is nothing else that will suffice. There is nothing else that we'll do here. You see, we know that God himself is the only one that can make a difference in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Those that are faithful, we talked about some of that this morning, those that truly believe, they know that that the Lord himself is there. We've been talking about him being a person, knowing him as a person. And even if we're in the, the darkest forest or the, or the deepest valley, the most unhappy time of our life, God is still there. The idea here is God making his presence known in such a way that it would destroy the enemies. See, it's the sin, it's the backsliding that none of us like to admit when it's happening in our lives, when, 
And the truth is, is that if there's ever been a time in our life that we were closer to the Lord than we are right now, then we've backslidden. We've come back from that point. God hasn't gone anywhere. It wasn't that God had moved here. It was that things had separated them from God. Sometimes that's a bad thing. Sometimes God has to put things just like the, the veil in the temple. Oh, that God would rend the heavens. Oh, that thou wouldest come down. God, that you would make yourself known. There's only one remedy for the need that we have. That's a manifestation of God himself, of his power, of his glory. You see, the truly everlasting need of every soul, the dying need of every human being in this world can be summed up in three letters. God. God. That's what we need. That's what we need in our lives. That's what this prayer had realized. First of all, and foremost, a recognition of the need. There's only one thing that's going to help us, and that's God himself in our presence here with us. And I'm saying to you that if we're really genuinely, and I can't remember as old as I'm getting, I couldn't even begin to count the number of sermons that I've heard preached on on revival and the need for revival. We read about revival. Sometimes we've had maybe little taste of it in our lives when we've seen God move. But you see, that's really what revival is all about. It's God's people knowing the presence of God and being in the presence of God. God truly being the one that's showing himself to his people. And that's that's the prayer that's being begged for here. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. God, make yourself known in our presence. I believe that that's where it must begin by recognizing the need that individually and together, we need God. We can... We can convince ourselves that we need all kinds of other things, but what we really need is for God, for God himself to be known in our presence. Not only a recognition of the need, but secondly, a realization of the work. We need God himself, but God himself in our presence, we need to realize that the work that we need is the work of God. Notice what he goes on to say here. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. Why? That the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, to the enemies, to all of those out there, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down. The mountains flowed down at thy presence. God's presence will do some things. God's presence in our life, we talked about this in the Bible study time this morning. It's going to make a difference when God is truly, we recognize that he is alive, that he is present, and that he's in unity with us. He lives and dwells within us. You're going to live your life different if you're truly conscious of the fact that everywhere you go and everything you do, 
You're taking God with you. If we truly, truly recognize that our greatest need is God's presence amongst us, then I'm saying we're going to realize there's, it's going to do some things. I mean, here we see the, the, the shaking mountain, the, the fire causing the waters to boil, the, the terror of the nations, the terrible deeds of Jehovah. And, of course, we look back and every bit of this was things that God's people had seen before. It was a memory of the things that took place in the, in the Exodus itself where he proved himself to be the living God. They're saying, God, just like you proved yourself when you came down this way with your people at that time, we need your presence amongst us again. We need you to do the things that only you can do. Mighty things were needing to be done then and they need to be done now, which only the presence and power of God are going to accomplish. There's no point in kidding ourselves. It doesn't matter how hard we work. It doesn't matter what we try to do to accomplish. The real need is God amongst us and God doing these things. The mountains brought down. You know, spiritually, we face many mountains in our lives. <laughs> we talked about all those lions that we faced a few weeks back. Well, mountains, difficulties, sometimes they're created. These mountains are created by the sin that's present, just as like he had to get honest here. I mean, God, we're just, we are like an unclean thing. The best thing about us is a pile of dirty rags. Many times the mountains are created by our sin and our, our vain fleshly imaginations, the selfishness, just wanting things that are going to be good for me, things that are going to make me look good, things that are going to make me feel good. Sometimes our indifference, <laughs> not really having the compassion, not really caring, not really even being concerned that those around us are lost, that they don't have God. God, we need some of these mountains brought down in our lives, melting and burning up. That self-confidence of thinking that we can do this, I mean, we have got this Christian life down pat. <laughs> we can do it. We got the list. We know what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do, and we can do this. Our vain thoughts, our fleshly energies. You know, the Bible says all that is like wood, hay, stubble, that one day is going to be burned up. <laughs> when it's our works, when it's what we've done. Because God, just as he is love, he is a consuming fire. This warming up to the boil. And our hearts need to boil. They need to boil like that pot. But they need to boil because of the, the power of his presence within us. Our affections need to be hot. It's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. I promise you this, that lukewarmness that he said he would spew out of his mouth because it made him sick to his stomach. <laughs> there won't be any lukewarmness when this fire is burning in our hearts. <laughs> I can promise you that. Sometimes our prayers are so, so cold and ritualistic 
we go through the list of all the things that we know it's our duty bound to pray for, but there's nothing behind it. You see, this burning heat that the prophet is talking about here, it's going to bring forth burning desires, things that are going to make a difference. I mean, our prayers and our testimonies, they're going to be hot not because of our emotions and us making them what they are, but because of the presence of God. We find that Psalm 104, verse 4, he says, He maketh his ministers a flame of fire. That's not just talking about preachers. Those that minister to others, those that are ministers for others, we find that do we really, really want to see what the church saw on Pentecost and I think we need some prayers, a prayer for help. Just like the prophet Isaiah was praying here for the nation of Israel, we need, first of all, we need to recognize, we need to recognize that the need that we have, folks, the need that we have in your life, in my life, in our church, the need that we have is the presence of God. We need God to come down. We need God to be real in our lives and the realization of the work that it's God's work that needs to be done. That's only God. That can only be accredited to God. God needs to tear our lives apart. He needs to, for, to rip down those mountains, bring our hearts to the boil. But you know what? <laughs> One of the amazing things here that so often is lost in this, did you notice what he said there in verse 2? He said, as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil to make thy name known to thine adversaries that the nations may tremble at thy presence. You see, this is not just for fun. This is not just for our excitement. This is not just for us to enjoy what we're doing when we're doing. The whole fact is here is to make his name known to make it known amongst all those adversaries that would stand against us, that would fight against us, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. That's not very religiously correct today. I want anybody to tremble. The truth is, is that I can assure you that with God in our presence, people are going to tremble. People are going to tremble. I mean, do you remember what else he said here? I mean, man, our eyes haven't seen, our ears haven't heard. We can't eat. We've never seen or known anything what God has in store for us. Most of us have never seen and known the presence of God in such a reality that the prophet is praying for here. We find that a lot of times people want even the power of God, the presence of God that we see here, but all for the wrong reasons. They want it for my deliverance, for me to be out of problems because I'm struggling so much. There's a much greater reason that they're praying for here. That's that others may know him, that all those out there might see it, that even the adversaries, that they will know that God is present in your life, that God is present in this place. 
Our desires are not for it to be easier for me. Our desires is that his name will be known, that they might come to know Jesus Christ. That's the far, far, far more important reason for God's presence amongst us. Jesus, in John chapter 16, when he was preparing just before going to the cross, in John chapter 16, notice what he says in verse 13 and 14. He says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, that one that he was sending to come alongside us in his place, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. He shall glorify Jesus, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you again. We come back to this thought so many times. <laughs> you know, everything in God's plan, everything before the world was created, through everything, every page of the Bible as we read through it, God's plan of redemption for the lost, for you, for those that you love, for those that you care for. Jesus is telling them here, look, I'm going to send one. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to make the name of Christ known. He's going to glorify me. He's going to magnify me. And that's what we should be wanting God's presence so that they can see God, so that they can see Christ in us, in our church, in this place where he has placed us with our lives. Just like on the day of Pentecost, they saw the presence and the power of God in a special way that day. And God moves in all kinds of, of different ways. That's a pretty phenomenal thing when you stop and think they were they were astounded. They couldn't figure out what's going on here. I mean, aren't, aren't all these guys Galileans? Aren't they all? They speak with this local tongue, and yet here we are, people from all over the world. We hear the message in our own language. We understand them, even though but they're not even speaking the same language. You see, we need the presence of God today. We need to be filled with His Spirit. We have His Spirit. We're baptized into the family of God. We're baptized into His body the moment that we accept Jesus Christ. But being filled and controlled by His presence is a, is a daily process. We need for the heavens to be opened, just as the prophet was praying for, that they would be ripped asunder, that God would come down, that He would be seen in our, in our midst. We need... We need our affections to be set on fire. We need to care again, folks. We need to care that they know who God is. We need to care that those around us that need to be saved, that they can see Christ in us. I made this statement this morning, and I'll make it again this evening. And I heard it when I was getting ready this morning when somebody else was preaching it. <laughs> you know, how much effect is it really having? We talk all the Christian talk. We talk about how much we love God. We talk about how much our Christian faith means to us. We talk about even how that we would like these around us to be saved and to know Christ and to know that they're 
born again and on their way to heaven. They hear those words, but yet they see in our life, they see us just like the prophet said here, we become too much like them out there. <laughs> they see us living the same kind of life they're living. They see us doing the things that aren't the kind of life that even lost people know that Christians should be living. They see one thing, but they hear another. Do we really believe that our testimony, that our words are going to have an effect? Do you really think that it's showing them how, well, maybe the sad thing is it is showing them how important our Christian faith really is to us because it's easy enough for us to speak the words but not for us to live the life. Do we want others to see and to know the name of Christ because they see him in our lives? Do we want others to be made to tremble at his presence, to bring them to their knees because they recognize and see the holy God and they see their own iniquities just as the prophet was talking about here? Folks, I'm saying that it's one thing for us to talk about wanting to see a great movement of God. We have looked the last three Sundays at these wonders that God will do amongst us and some of the things that needs to take place there. I just want to remind you this evening, the same God is still on the throne that Isaiah was praying to here. We need some people today that will truly pray to God for help that will recognize that there's only one thing that's going to help us, folks, and that's God in our midst. Realizing that the work we need amongst us is not the work that we can do. It's not the work we want to do all that we can, but it's a work of God that's going to make His presence known, that's going to change our lives in such a way that true revival will change the lives of those out there the real desire of our heart is not what our Christian faith will do for me. It's not how good it will make me feel. But the result is that his name might be known, that he can be seen in our lives. That's what's going to change people's lives when they truly see God through us. Father, I thank you so much this evening. Lord, that sometimes we can look around us and it can all seem a bit Hopeless, and boy, we have to be honest, just like the prophet Isaiah, that, wow, sometimes, Lord, we recognize that, boy, we don't deserve to ask anything of you. We realize, Lord, that when we begin to look at us, we do see our iniquities, our sins. All of our righteousness are like a pile of filthy rags. Lord, we're not asking for us this evening. We're asking for you. We're asking for your glory, for your honor. We're asking that, Lord, that the heathen, that the lost, that those around us can truly see you. We need your presence in our life. We need your presence in this church. We need people to see you. They don't need to see us and what a, what a great person that we are. They need to see you. They need your presence. So, Father, we pray. We pray that you might truly send revival to us, but, Lord, it's not going to happen. You've got a people that are willing to pray out for the kind of help that the prophet Isaiah was praying for here. Lord, I pray, give us that same kind of desire. 
But our desire is not how easy, how joyful, how great that this life might be for us. Lord, our desire is that others may see you, that they may know you, that they may see you in our lives and all around us. Father, we know, we know that it's only your presence that can make the true difference. Thank you for the hope, Lord. May we look around and we feel that it's so hopeless, but we recognize that, Lord, you've always honored your people. Prayer is so much more powerful than most of us give it credit for. Help us to be a people that will fall on our knees, on our face before you, truly pray out, Lord, that you might rend the heavens, that you may come down just as you did in Isaiah's day, just as you did on the day of Pentecost. Lord, we need your presence amongst us this day. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.